Next week, we're starting a new series. We'll be in the book of Acts, but uh, I wanted to go one, one place before we go there. And Matt already uh, alluded to, we're, we're going to talk about being a, a church that loves with the, the love that God has given us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 13. Um, just a, a few weeks ago, uh, in our Advent series, we, we talked about this love that we have from God. And, and in Scripture, we see very, very early that God's people are to be this, this pipeline of God's love, right? That, that, that um, you and I, as we love one another, we, we remind not only other Christians that, that our God is a God of love, but we tell this world, we declare to the world uh, our great God and his great love for us. And the world has always been in desperate need of God's love. Um, that, that has always been the case in the, his people. Um, it's always been the case that we should look different than the world in a number of ways. We, we look around our world right now, and uh, in our country at least, and there are so many people divided over uh, a number of issues uh, in the church. I think has an opportunity to stick out in, in a really great way that points to our loving God. Um, but I also know that, that sometimes we get sucked into everything that's going on in the world, and, it, and it's easy for us to be divided uh, as well. We're just as tempted to be divided over uh, issues that have nothing to do with the gospel, nothing to do with the church, so whether it's um, politics or, or any number of things going on in our world. But, but then also there's, uh, we've seen churches split apart if you've been following Christ for a while. Um, I've seen friends in the last like three to five years, friends that, that I thought were just going to be friends forever, some friends that were friends for decades that, that have very purposely gone their own ways and, and sometimes just won't even talk to one another. So I, I think this issue, uh, this matter of how the church loves, is critically important as we, again, remind one another of the love of our God, but also uh, tell the un unbelieving world uh, about God. So we're not talking about this today because I think our church is about to split or because I think you guys don't love each other. No, our, our church in so many ways loves so well. I've, I've seen, I've experienced the love of God through uh, so many people in our body. I think of um, Matthew 5, 16. We were just in, in the Sermon on the Mount. It seems like it wasn't that long ago. And Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we have this opportunity right, to be this bright, shining light as we demonstrate God's love to one another. So 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, the Corinthian church, if you haven't read First or Second Corinthians for a while, that church is a hot mess, right, to say the least. Um, so Paul writes to, <laughs> it's funny when the other church is a hot mess. It's not funny when you're on uh, struggling. Anyway, um, Paul writes this first century church that is just in need of help. Um, it, the immediate context, right before 13, Paul describes the body of Christ, right? He says the body's made up of, of these individual parts but together they form one body. So he emphasizes that even though right, there's a lot of them, there's uniqueness to them, even uniqueness in the different ways that God has gifted them, there's supposed to be a oneness to his people. Well, why? Because there's a oneness 
in the Lord. We worship one God. We've been given his one spirit. The body isn't supposed to be divided. It should be one. So he, he gives us this, this picture of, of, of the human body and, and how we are like that. And it is such a helpful picture to us. I think especially uh, as Americans, we, our culture is uh, so individualized. And I think we take great pride in, in being individuals. Um, but we, we lack what so many other cultures just appreciate and value much better than we do, the, the, the community um, that, that they're a part of. And certainly the, the family of God, the church of God ought to be that way. So Paul's helpful in 1 Corinthians 13 here. As he, he transitions, he, he talks about our gifts, um, but, but he says, man, it, it, you might have these gifts that God's given you. You might be uh, uh, using them well. Maybe you've really honed that gift. You've matured in that gift. But if we don't love well, man, that gift is is worthless. You could be the best Sunday school teacher. You could be uh, the best greeter that we have. You could be the best deaconess or, or elder. You could be the best sound tech or whatever it is. You could be using this gift so well, but if you don't have love, it's, it's useless. He says in verse 1, this won't be on the, the screen, he says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries of knowledge, and if I have all faith so as, to remove, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. He's very clear with us that, that without love, we are nothing. We gain nothing. Right? Your theology could be nearly perfect, like as perfect as humanly possible this side of eternity. You could have giant chunks of scripture memorized, like whole books of the Bible memorized. But Paul says, if we don't love well, and specifically brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, if we're not loving well, we've gained nothing, but we are nothing. It's worthless. And then Paul drills into what love is. We're just going to look at, at these four verses here, four through eight. And he gets pretty specific about what this love from God is. Verse four, he says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This love that we're to have for one another is it's a patient love. It's long-suffering, or maybe we would phrase it as this love has a long fuse. And then at the end of verse 5, he gives the, I guess, the negative side, the same coin, but the different side of it. He says that this love isn't irritable, right? Or maybe your Bible translation that you have, it says it's not easily angered. So love has this patience to it, which means it has the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. If we were to go into uh, the uh, three- and four-year-old's classroom, I think eventually we'd probably notice that, that that doesn't come naturally to us, right? Like if we were to watch them and, and say one kid sees a block that another kid has, and that kid goes over and takes that block, what is the kid going to do that got the block taken? They're going to either grab something or, or just ball up their fist and like bop that kid on the head, right, to get the block back. 
Now, as adults, I hope that we don't do that. I hope you don't go bopping people on the head. We're way more sophisticated about it. And maybe we give a, a cold shoulder. <laughs> this is my audience today. All right. Uh, we give the cold shoulder or, or the silent treatment. Uh, the, the love that God gives his people, it has the capacity to be hurt, to be wronged without retaliating. It's a love, it, well, love is tested when there is conflict, right? When, when, when there's some, uh, some difficulty, uh, some disagreement. Loving someone when, when things are smooth, man, that's, that's pretty easy to do. But it, it's when, when there's a problem that, that comes into the relationship, that's when love is tested. Schaefer said something, and I'm going to butcher it, but something along the lines of that, it, that it's when we disagree that love has a golden opportunity to show itself. Right, that when we have this conflict, this, this unresolved issue between us, that's when we really see the, how much love, how deep the love that we have for one another is. Right, your friends, um, their, their love for you isn't tested when, when you're pleasant, right? when, when your roommate uh, actually puts the dish into the sink or the dishwasher. Right? When, when, they're, when they're nice to be around, when they're fun. No, their love is, is tested for you when you're grumpy, when you're selfish, when, when you're rude, when you aren't kind. That, that's when we find out what this love is between one another. It's easy to love the coworker that thinks like you. Right? It's easy to love the person in your neighborhood that votes like you. It's easy to love the brother or sister in Christ that holds uh, the, the same theological conviction as you. It's easy to love people who view COVID like you do. But love is challenging when we don't see eye to eye, when we've been wronged by someone, when the other person is inconsiderate, or even just when, when there's someone that just bugs us, they, they just get under our skin. So it's good that Paul tells us right off the bat that this love from God, it's a, a patient, long fuse, this long-suffering kind of love, or, or the flip side, it, it doesn't get irritated, right? It's not easily angered. This love has a grit to it. It's a determined love. It's a love that, that doesn't just roll over and quit, but it, it keeps going. Uh, I took... Um, Three of my kids, they, they wanted to go play basketball yesterday, so I took them to the court. The older boys, or, uh, or both my boys, I should say, um, they wanted to shoot hoops, and, uh, and Maddie, our seven-year-old, wanted to come. So all three of them grabbed their basketball, and we get there, and they each had kind of their own things they wanted to do. Um, Maddie just turned seven, New Year's Day. Uh, we've got her uh, a, a ball. It's not a full-size women's ball. Like it's, it's pretty close to being the right size. It might be the right size. It still looks kind of big for her to me, but uh, we get there, and, and the hoops are 10 feet high, you know, and we can't lower them, and my boys, I mean, they, they're old enough, they're strong enough to do that, but she just, she can't do it yet, so I'm trying to think of ways, like, what can we do together, so we, we did some passing together, and did a little dribbling, and then Hudson, my nine-year-old, he wanted to play horse with me, so I played horse with him, and then Caden, he wanted to, he said he wanted to work on post moves, which meant he just really wanted to abuse me under the post and show me that, like, I cannot guard him anymore, um, I, I almost rolled my ankle. I was so grateful that I didn't. Um, and, then, and then Maddie, Maddie wanted to play. I said, what do you want to do, honey? And, and for a while, we, we, we worked on dribbling, right? We did like follow the leader. She'd lead for a bit, and I'd do what she did, and then vice versa. And we worked on her left hand, and we worked on passing. 
And then she said, I want to shoot. I'm like, all right, let's go for it. So, so I, I, I line her up like close enough to the hoop where she's still got a good angle. Um, I'm like, okay, let it fly. And in our hoop at home, like we lower that, she can make it in that hoop. Like she knows how to shoot. It's not a problem. She doesn't know how to shoot. But this is a 10 foot hoop. So she, she lines up and, and she lets that thing fly and it's going. And then it comes down and, and it was like maybe two or three feet from even kissing the underside of the rim. And I hand her the ball. I do it. Yeah, like, good shot. Does it again. Same thing. Not even close. Like, no, no real chance. I'm like, Maddie, you got to get your legs into it a little more, right? And I don't, I don't think this is going to make the difference, but she does it. And okay, it gets closer. Maybe like within 16 inches. And like, good try. And I hand her the ball. And, and she just keeps going. She keeps going and going and going. And, and, and sometimes it would kind of almost get close. And, and, and she just, she's kept shooting. Hand her the ball, good shot, try again, do it. And, and then one time, like, she hit the underside of the rim, and I'm excited, right? And, and she, like, kind of smiled for a second, but that's not what she was there for. She didn't want to hit the underside of the rim. Like, she wanted to get the ball in the hoop, and she just kept shooting and shooting. And at some point, I'm like, this is crazy. So I start counting how many shots she's, she's taking as we go. I'm rebounding, good shot, shoots again, and we hit 25, and then, and then 30 and then she hits the rim a couple more times. I'm just tr- I'm trying to will the ball in somehow. And, and sometimes it gets close. A lot of times, not really. And she just keeps shooting. Then we get to 50 shots and 75 shots. And, and I know that there's a pickup game that's scheduled for 1 o'clock. I'm like, honey, in like 15 minutes, guys are going to be here. And like we're going to have to go. But we can keep shooting. Okay. She shoots. And we get closer and closer and closer. One time she shot, and I thought it was stinking going to go in. It, like, it wasn't the underside of the rim. It's like towards the upper half of the rim, but it just didn't have enough to get there. And then we get to like two minutes till the pickup game's supposed to start, and then one minute. And then, and then it's, it's time. I'm like, Maddie, it's past one. we got to get off the court. Here's five more shots. She takes each one, misses each one. I'm like, that's it. She comes up, gives me a big hug. She shot 150 shots that I counted. I, I, I couldn't believe it. She's a, she can be a stubborn little girl, don't get me wrong. I knew that. I've never seen her be determined like this. And it reminded me of the determination of this love that God has given his people, this love that is patient, this love that, that, that does not quit. It's not easily irritated. A lot can go wrong, and yet there's tons of grace with the person that loves with, with God's love. I wonder, are we easily irritated? Or do we just have loads of grace for others? I look around the world, and, and it seems like there's way more irritation right now out there than, than grace. I think all of us, or a lot of us at least, are just kind of worn out from the last couple years. I, I certainly, I get irritated. And my, my fuse isn't nearly as long as it needs to be. I think we all get irritated. Even if you're the most relaxed, chill person in the world, you want your plans to go the way you've envisioned them, the way you've imagined them. We don't like disruptions, even just like traffic. Right? We don't like traffic. Or um, maybe, maybe you get irritated like me when you pick what you think is the shortest, fastest line at the grocery store and somehow that line takes way longer 
than the long line. There's a lot of head nods in here, right? Like we all scope out what's gonna be the quickest line because we just wanna get on with our plans. And, and it's silly, but, but it's true. We just aren't, we aren't patient naturally. We like life, we like plans to go the way that we've envisioned them. Becoming a parent really uh, tries your patience, right? A newborn doesn't know that adults would like to sleep through the whole night uninterrupted. Newborns, they cry when they get hungry. Uh, they cry when their diaper's wet or stinky, or sometimes they cry, as I remember, for no reason that you can even figure out. They, they just... They cry sometimes, and, and you don't know why, and parents get to deal with that. And you find out, becoming a parent, how long or how short your fuse is as you're this like sleep-deprived zombie. I know I want people to be patient with me. Are you patient with those who are around you, with your friends, with your family, with coworkers? Like, would those people describe you as a person that's patient? Would they, would they describe you as, as someone that is, that is not easily irritated? Or would they say you just gripe about things, you complain, you're hypercritical of others? Or maybe you're patient with your inner circle, but, but how about with those that aren't so close to you? I'm thinking a lot about assumptions lately, too. I wonder how often is your irritation uh, fueled by assumptions? And, and a lot of times we don't even recognize, we don't realize we're making assumptions. We, we, we believe them so firmly that we treat them as total fact. Maybe, uh, or it, it's funny, when we, so often when we assume, we, we really think highly of our ability to understand what is happening in someone else, in what sometimes can be a complex situation with variables that we really have no chance, uh, no business of being aware of, and yet we can assign very precise um, motives behind those behaviors, right? I, I, it's, this is most laughable to me in my life when I do this in traffic. When, 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 I'm, when I'm like driving to Portland, and someone will cut me off on the 205 bridge, I instantly assume that I know that they did that on purpose to me. Like, I will actually believe that for a moment. Now, I think I've matured enough that most of the time I catch that that's, no, they, they didn't do that. Maybe, like you, Greg, they're lazy sometimes, and they don't head check, and they just looked in their mirror, and you were in the blind spot. Like we jump to conclusions, we make assumptions, we assume so many things, and really the only way that I know of to, to figure out if our assumptions are correct is to talk with that person. Now, I'm not suggesting you go hunt down the person that cut you off in traffic. That could be a bad move. But, um, but when we do have a relationship, man, it's, it's, it is good to talk through assumptions. Maybe find out you assumed, and you're totally right on. Um, maybe not, though. We need to assume the best in others, right, which is really, really hard for us. It's easy for us to assume, maybe not the worst in people, but, but, but certainly not the most pleasant. It, it takes effort to assume the best. Right? Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe, maybe they're stressed out. Maybe, maybe they walked by and didn't see me. That's why they didn't smile. Paul goes on, he says, love does not envy or boast, right? The, the Corinthian church was not united. As, as you read Paul's letter, you just pick up this this selfishness within this church. Chapter 1, he, he talks about the divisions that are in the Corinthian church. Chapter 3, Paul talks about this, this jealousy, this conflict. In chapter 6, how they're wronging each other. So here he tells this church that love doesn't envy what a sister or brother in Christ has, nor, nor does it boast. 
Love doesn't flaunt what, what, what they've got. Man, our culture, there's so much boasting. There's so much flaunting. It's a hard line that, that we walk in this social media age because it's, it's so much of look at me. There, there's, there, there's so much that we need to, uh, we, we so often need to check our motivations. Because certainly we can post without boasting, right? We can post without being prideful. You can post something funny. You can post a, a picture of a beautiful place you've been or a great meal that you've had or, or this cool moment with, with your friends or your family. You can do that in God-honoring, humble ways for sure. But we can also do that in ways that are, that are boastful, that are prideful. Social media seems to just have this direct line to our pride. It, it feels good. I mean, it's so weird that it feels good when someone likes something that you posted. That, that, that it feels good when a bunch of people comment on, on something that you said. And it's not like this is just a teenage problem. And adults, I don't think we were ready when social media hit. We, we weren't ready for this, this back door that's this back door to worshiping ourselves. And without even knowing it, like suddenly you realize, like, man, I'm disappointed that I didn't get more likes, I didn't get more comments. Maybe you keep going back to check it. Or maybe you just find that you're jealous as you look at other posts of people that you know and stuff they've done or, or how happy they look or how good they look or whatever it is. Paul goes on, he says, it's not arrogant. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on arrogance at all, except to say that this love that we have, it, it's humble. Right? It's, he's given us a love that, that, that just drips with humility. He says this is a, a love that's not rude. And in chapter 11, Paul talks about the Corinthian church and the dysfunction there, and, and there's, this, there's these problems around communion. The church has uh, people that are really well off, super wealthy, and, and then all the way to people that, man, they're just scraping to get by. Uh, and, and so some of these wealthy people, it looks like they were um, not just eating too much at, at the communion meal, but even before, like they'd eaten a ton, and then they'd come and, and fill up even more, so much so that, that, that the poor brother or sister like doesn't even get a, a bite. Like they, they leave starving still. Or, or some were, were uh, not just getting drunk there, but they're pre-gaming right before the meal, and they're getting drunk, and, and then that brother or sister didn't even get a sip. Right? There wasn't a considering of one another. It was, it was rude. So no wonder there were divisions in this Corinthian church that Paul's addressing. So Christians, are we aware? Are we aware of people around us, right? Whether it's people in our church or people at work or in our neighborhood, in our extended family. Do we know people well? I was, I was trying to think through my, my neighbors I live, like my immediate neighbors right next door to and some of them, yeah, I know like some hard things they're going through that I can specifically pray for, that when I see them, I can ask them about. But so many of them, I don't really know. Like, I know what they do for work. I know their last name. Like, we've hung out a little bit, but I don't, I don't know them well. Not that I can necessarily know all of my neighbors well, but, but do, we, do we know people around us well enough, people in our church well enough to, to even know how to be considerate towards them? Do we take into, the, into account the needs and the circumstances of people that are around us, or are we just wrapped up in our own stuff, right? the, the stuff that means a lot to us, the, the circumstances that we're battling? He, he says, love does not insist on its own way, right? that, that we're, when we love each other, we're invested 
in the good, in the joy of that other person, in, in their spiritual growth, right? And, and so I mean that we're investing them in a, in a good way, not in an unhealthy, like, codependent way, but we're wrapped up in what is good for them. Like, everything isn't about us. We care about our brother or sister as well. One litmus test for this um, in your relationships is when you get together with people, do you do most of the talking, right? I understand some people are talkers, some people are, aren't, you know, love to have other people talk. I don't mean that, but like when you get together, like coffee with a friend or a meal, like do you dominate the conversation? Or, or, or do you always like find a way to steer the conversation to your life or what you want to talk about? And there are times when, when it's completely appropriate for a conversation to be one-sided, right? If, if there's a tragedy and you come over to, to someone's house to support them, you, we would expect that that conversation would be very much focused on them, on their pain, on, on what they need, on how to minister to them, right? There, there are plenty of times where a very lopsided conversation is exactly appropriate, but generally, like, do we tend to make things about us? Do we tend to, to just dominate conversations? Right? Do we insist on our own way? Well, yes, all of us do, right? In, in maybe in different ways, but we're all self-centered. The, the nicest person here in the room or, or watching us online, even they insist on their own way. Right? Have you ever done something nice for someone and, and realized that, that to some degree you even made that about you? Maybe I've done this. You give a gift, like maybe at Christmas. Maybe you gave a gift that, that, that was super thoughtful, like nice gift. But you realize like so much of it was that you hoped that, that they, I don't know, knew you were this great gift giver. Or you were super thoughtful or really kind or, or whatever. Like it's amazing that we can take something like that and make it about us. At Christian and Brooklyn's wedding just the other night, uh, several of us, were there, I talked to them about dying to themselves. Um, and I gotta say, it was so funny. <laughs> like, I know, like, when I, whenever I officiate a wedding, I tell the couple, like, hey, don't look at me. Like, look at each other. You don't need to look at me. Like, it's okay. And I recognize that even as I'm talking, they're probably not hearing much of what I say. Like, they're just all googly-eyed in love. Um, but, but I'm watching them as I'm talking. Like, they don't hear anything I'm saying right now at all. Like, it was awesome how into each other they were. There's one point where I told some joke. The audience laughed. I can't remember which one. I think it was Christian. Like, he tried to laugh, but it was clear. Like, he was faking it. I'm like, just... Anyway, that was not what I was saying. Um, I talked to them both in the sermon, but in premarital counseling, that we've got to die to ourselves, right? Like marriage, marriage isn't going to work if, if at least one person isn't dying to themselves. I mean, ideally, obviously, both people are dying to themselves, right? Every day, right, they need to wake up and kill their selfishness. And wedding day, that's pretty easy, right? Honeymoon, Maybe still easy, but, but eventually there's that random Thursday where life's been full, you haven't been sleeping well, like you get tons of responsibilities, and, and it's hard to die to ourselves. But Paul says this love doesn't insist on its own way. When we love people in a good, healthy, God-honoring way, our joy correlates with their joy, right? Like it, it tracks with, with their joy because we are invested 
in them, in their good, um, in, in, in my family. Like there's certain meals that Lynn's cooks, certain meals I cook, and there, there are certain ones that are very specific, like, okay, we're making burgers. Okay, that's a, that's a Greg meal. So um, I, I know that when it's burger night, I'm on it, and I try really hard. Um, I, I, there is, I, there's joy for me in my family liking their burgers. Pretty much everyone in our family likes burgers. So when I can make a meal that they like, I, I really enjoy it. And I know how each of them by now like their burgers, right? And, and so I make the patties, and there are, um, there are certain ingredients that all of the patties have, right? But, but then it gets customed down to like each person in the family. Like by now, I know, you know, how the, the boys pretty much, they pretty much have the exact same burger, right? They want the bacon crumbles like in the middle. They want it pretty thick, pretty big burger. Girls each have some nuances. Some want it super thin. Some want it without cheese. Whatever. Like I, I know all that. And 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 then when they're eating their burgers and they like it, right? When there's this, mm, or like, oh, this is so good. There's a, there's a joy in there that that like as they enjoy it, my joy tracks right along with it. Obviously, that could go too far. Like I could be obsessive with that. I could find my self worth in that, which is a silly sentence to even say. But um, but but what I'm trying to say is that, that when we love someone, we we care about how they are doing. We care about what is good for them. We care about their joy. We care about their, their walk with Christ. We care about their, their health. And one way that we uh, insist on our, own, uh, on our own way is by gossiping. Um, gossip stinks, right? And, and I've got to assume that every one of us here at some point has been hurt by gossip. Um, and, and sometimes gossip is about true facts, right? Like true things like really happen. They aren't saying anything that didn't happen, but it isn't to, to build up. It, it's to tear down in the mind of, of those hearing the gossip. Or sometimes gossip starts with assumptions about someone, right? But, but either way, like what's best is that, that we go and, and, and we talk to that person. Or, or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's not an issue where we need to talk to them. Maybe all we need to do is just stop. Like maybe there's wrestling we need to do on our own, in our own hearts. Um, and I know I get that, that everyone needs outlets to talk through challenging things, right? We need outlets to talk through difficulty, pain, and confusion. But my encouragement is that the person that we choose to do that with, that we choose very carefully, and, and that we, we know that they're a person, maybe we explicitly ask them, like, hey, I don't want to gossip about this. I know I'm charged up. I know I'm emotional about this or I'm hurt or whatever. Don't let me gossip. Tell me when I cross that line. We need that. Verse 6, he says, uh, it, 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 love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Like love is joined hand in hand with what is good, not with what is evil, not with what is wrong. Love celebrates what is true. And we've talked about this probably on several different occasions that our culture is just watered down what, what it means to love. So much so that it has very little to do with what is true. Right? In the world's eyes, Love makes room for your truth. Um, ultimately, we're not really loving each other if we aren't willing to speak truth to each other. And I know that's hard. I'm not, I'm not saying we blast people with truth like some street preacher on the megaphone. Discipleship certainly involves relationship. There's a building of trust and, and care for one another. And, and at some point, you aren't loving them by holding back uh, truth. 
Eventually, gospel words need to be spoken because love rejoices in truth. Verse 7 says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we bear things for one another. We bear things with one another. So when a, when a sister in Christ experiences a tragedy, right? maybe they lose uh, their mom and dad to some battle with, with cancer or, or something, man, she does not go through that alone. Right? There, there are sisters in Christ that, 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 that come in to help. There, there are brothers and sisters that, that bear this pain, helping out, praying along with her. Or, or when, a, when a couple has a miscarriage, those who, who are aware of it, those who know, man, they're on it. They're making sure that that, that couple isn't going through that grief, that loss on their own. Maybe it's bringing food over. Maybe it's just sitting in the room and, and really not saying much at all. Maybe it's, maybe it's an older woman coming alongside that, 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 that woman who wanted to be a mom so bad and, and, and sharing God's, God's faithfulness to her, encouraging her that, that God is going to bring her through this. Maybe it's a guy taking this young husband under his, his wing and helping him figure out how to deal with, with this as, as, as this man and his wife just process the pain so differently. And we, we bear things when, when we remember, like the widow, who, uh, who, as she comes to, or he comes to that first Christmas without their spouse. Right? We let them know, I'm praying for you. I see you. I remember you. I'm, I'm praying for the pain that you're dealing with. It's a tragedy and a failure when someone in God's family bears something by themselves. And obviously there are times when, when that happens in a body because that person didn't let anyone in. Right? That's, a, that's a different situation. you got to let people in. And I know that's hard. Like for some people, you're super outgoing. It's, it's easy to make relationships at church. I know for others, the greeting time is like the most awkward, hard thing that we do here every week. Um, but man, we've got to find ways. I'm not saying through the greeting time necessarily, but we've got to find ways to, to let people in. But more often, I think the ball gets dropped, not because of that, but because we just aren't ready to bear all things together. We aren't, we aren't aware. We don't, we don't have the, the, the endurance that, that Paul talks about there. Or maybe we're ready early on, like close to tragedy. It's easy or it's easier to help bear all things. But, but as the weeks and the months goes on, we just forget. One way that, that love bears is by protecting. I think of big brothers and, and big sisters here. If you're an older sibling, my guess is you probably felt some duty to protect your younger sibling. I know that I, I felt that way with my little brother. Christian sisters and brothers bear by looking to protect. And, and there's a number of ways. I'm sure this could be lived out. But, but the one I thought of is, is that we're willing to talk about sin with one another. Right? I, I get that that's scary. Um, we're good with people coming and helping us during tragedy. But, but calling out sin, like, I don't want, you know, I'm not excited for someone to call me out in my sin. I, honestly, I'm, I'm not even that excited to go confront someone in their sin. But we need that. Right? We, we count on like when you, when you go see your doctor. We count on our doctor that they're going to tell us the, the bad news, the scary diagnosis, no matter how awkward it is for them. We need to confront sin. We need to do that with wisdom. 
We, we need to do that with, with words that, you know, we, we try our hardest to, to use words that are, that are helpful, that are gentle. Just like a doctor needs good bedside manner, we need to bring sin to light with love, with gentleness, with the hope that this brother or sister in Christ will respond by, by turning from sin and trusting God rather than sin. Paul goes on, and he says in, in verse 8, this won't be on the screen, he says, uh, he says love never ends. Right? Prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, that'll cease. Uh, knowledge, it will pass away. And then he says this in verse 13. He says, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Church, let's be, let's be a people that strive to love one another with, with this love that God has given us, this love that Paul has described for us. These verses would be great verses for, for you to spend weeks just meditating on as we, we need to grow in, in loving one another and loving this world in order to remind brothers and sisters of Christ of, of who our God is, how great he is, how loving he is, in, in order to tell this world how loving our God is. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you for your goodness in our lives. Lord, I thank you for your grace in our lives. I thank you for the ways, um, even just growing up in church, where I got to see uh, love played out in, in different difficulties, Lord. And um, uh, I've, I've been on both ends of forgiveness, Lord, needing to ask it and, and, and also receiving it. Lord, I thank you that, that you've given us uh, love that that is different than the world's, Lord. Maybe the world's love like mimics this love, but but it 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 does not have the, the value. It doesn't have the weight. It, it doesn't have the grit to it. The humility to it. Jesus, will we be a people that that love that love you, and that, that we would do some of that by loving others really well, Lord? It's in your name we pray. Amen.